Fanzine.live podcast. This is Rebel Yell. This is the Rebel Yell podcast. Oh yes, we are back. We are back, Peter Vale, aren't we? We are indeed uh, for a special tonight. Uh, I can't believe it is just a special. I would have thought by now we might have been preparing for our pre-season uh, big bumper Rebel Yell dot live slash podcast, but we aren't. Sadly, we're um, getting behind this campaign of let fans in, which has gained a bit of traction over the week, Pete. Don't you say so? Well, yeah, it was. Um, I think it was initially uh, Dorkin who really got the ball rolling on it because they really spoke out about what what's going on at the moment. Um, so yeah, uh, that you know it's been trending on Twitter uh, two two days this week, been in, in sort of the top ten, um, which is really good. And I think the more the more we talk about it, the, the more they've got to listen. Yeah, I think you, you you are completely right, and I know you've got behind it. And you know, as a voice of uh, RebelYell.live, um, I'm missing your dulcet tones on a Saturday. Well, I, I'm pretty much there anyway. But you know, when I'm not there, I'm missing your dulcet tones, and especially during these pre-seasons, even. Yeah, I, you know, I was a bit gutted yesterday. I couldn't go and watch uh, Worthing's game against Whitehawk, um, even to deliver a commentary. Obviously, you know, doing. I'm, I'm out of practice now, to be honest. Um, so it'd be interesting when I when I finally get a chance Wednesday night to get behind the mic um, that can actually, you know, carry on as we kicked off as we started. And yeah, as I was talking about Wednesday night, breaking news from uh, Littlehampton have uh, allowed uh, Rebel Yell to take a broadcast there, which would be fantastic. It will be broadcast on RebelYell.live. Um, so thank you very much for that. Um, hope we might be able to do some more this uh, pre-season, but it's going to be nice to get back on the way, get back to all things. Um, but saying that, we, we, we're a bit rusty here. It's been a good three months since we've uh, done a live broadcast. I think of the run. When was the run? What date was that? Stu, you're on the line. Why don't you tell us? Uh, when was the run? Jeez. Um, May? May? Was it? Yeah, it was, wasn't it? June? May, uh, June. May, I don't know. Oh, literally, it's just I think a it was May. I think it was. I think it was May, yeah. Wow. But Stu, how have you been keeping over summer? I know you're going to say you've been missing the football because we all have, but you know, in yourself, like you know, you must be nice seeing some of the building work going down at Woodside. Mate, it's great. Yeah, no, yeah, I'm fine, thank you. Yeah, the, the building work's coming on really well. The boys are working really hard down there. Not um, too much to do with me, really, but um, I know that it's been a. They've been working really hard and they're, they're getting there, and it's yeah, it's looking good. It's looking. I think the poles have gone up now. In fact, I know the poles have gone up now for the floodlights. Uh, they've all been concreted in. The roof's just about gone on the tea hut, I believe. So, yeah, they're working really hard and, yeah, definitely going to be in time for the rest of the start of the season, which is good. So, How many weeks away do you think it is from being completed? Uh, I, I don't know, mate, to be honest with you. Um, I, I can't imagine the floodlights being much longer. Um, so probably maybe another two or three weeks. So definitely been time for the start of the season, I'm sure of it. Fantastic. So, um, but I don't know. Perhaps. And as far as I'm aware, we're still waiting on that actual start for the Asset Ismian League start date, aren't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We are. We are. I think we're working towards September the 19th at the moment, in the, in the hope that Boris doesn't make any changes. So, well, 
as, as you know, as, as me and uh, Pete have been talking off air, he's been watching the snooker, as I'm sure many of the people listening tonight have been um, over the past couple of days, and they have fans in there. And I think this is one of the main things that's frustrating versus me, just as a fan, forgetting all the social media and the media side of things. Just as a fan, to get behind, um, social distance around the pitch, it can easily be done. Yeah, no, it can be. I'm, I'm a little confused by it all, to be quite honest with you. When when you see thousands down on the beach and and, and whatever else around the country, events going on and parties and whatever, but, um, I mean, looking at the pre-season games we've had so far, there's it easily could allow for even 100, 150 fans in each ground or whatever, less than that maybe, and just kind of ask them to social distance and, and, and whatever, but... I guess we're governed by the government, funny enough, and um, we've just got to wait for them to give, give you guys the nod and, um, yeah, I hope it'll be sooner rather than later. And I, I think, think that's the thing, though, isn't it, Stuart, that the government have, you know, um, sent all the uh, clubs the, you know, the guidance about COVID-19. They've asked them to put these things into effect. Um, some clubs are probably being spent money. We're probably in a different position because we, we're actually in a position where the building works that we can't actually let fans in at the moment. Um, mm. So, you know, it's a bit unfair on the clubs that have, you know, spent spent money on this, In you know, in my opinion. Yeah, it's unfair on everybody. But, I mean, let's be honest, what have the government done so far that's actually made any sense, to be quite honest with you? So it's not surprising. Um, uh, at the end of the day, we are where we are. Let's just hope they, they make a decision. I, think, I don't think it'll be long. I mean, at the end of the day, we're, we're two or three, what's it, two or three weeks? No, three weeks away from the start of the season, maybe a bit more. Um, I'd be surprised if if the start of the season you guys won't be allowed in, uh, and they brought their October date forward a bit. But um, yeah, I mean, none of it makes any sense. Um, but we've come to expect that at the moment, haven't we? Let's be honest. I think the thing is, Stuart, you got you got to think is you, you point on it. Uh, you see thousands of people down the beach. I mean, we live on the seaside. We live on the seafront, and you know a few of us have been meeting up on Saturdays for a few beers down the seafront. And it is frustrating to see the amount of people down there. A lot of them not socially distancing. You know, we're down there having a few beers just to, you know just get a bit of normality back and uh, to have what so many of us want back in our lives just not even a trial done like even if they had one game it would be amazing I mean you've got mm. you've got things in America right now for example you laugh at me for it but you know I like the wrestling they've had fans in some of the wrestling events and America's <laughs> got such a high rate of COVID right now so how can they how can they even not considered doing. I that. think you need. I think you need to look at a look at America as a completely different entity, mate. In yeah. terms of what they're, how they run, and and the politics over there, it's a disaster. So, um, to a certain extent, I understand it over here. But then, if you if you're going to say no to fans going into grounds, then you need to kind of look at everything else that's going on, really. Um, which I think the government will probably come to realise that actually they, do, they haven't really got a leg to stand on, so to speak, in terms of stopping this to happen. So, stopping this happening, should I say? So they. Um, I think that eventually they will allow it um, very soon as well. Very, very soon. Well, I have yeah, to be a other, bit more patient. Yeah. So, sorry, Jane. One, one of the other things that, you know, um, pe- people are saying uh, is that, you know, we, we're being tarred with the sort of bigger leagues at the moment, whereas when the null and void decision came through, all the, all the clubs above us, um, you know, when points per game, we were just told it was null and void. Um, and, and now they're putting us in the same bracket as sort of the clubs who are going to get big, large attendances. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I kind of get that. I mean, it's, is it more manageable at that level? Can we manage it in terms of stewarding at our level? 
Um, I, the honest answer is I don't know. Um, I think it's. I, I, I guess I guess they will have to try it in terms of two, three, four hundred people limit maybe uh, into a ground rather than the fifteen hundred, two thousand that we might get. Um, but we're in the hands of the gods, so to speak, aren't we? So we just got to wait and see what see what happens, and hopefully it won't be won't be too far off. I mean, the worst thing will be is we get to the start of the season and we're playing games behind closed doors. Um, I don't think our league would allow that to happen anyway. So they'd either delay the restart until fans allowed in, or it'll just go from it from the start. So, um, so yeah, guys, I think I guess just be a bit more patient. I imagine just another. Three or four weeks or so, and then the season start, and hopefully we'll see your lovely faces in the group. Well, saying that, Barry has been in touch with me, so I just let him know about we're going on air tonight. He can't join us, but he has said that um, the club are certainly behind the Let Fans In campaign. Um, we are very confident we can host supporters safely with good social distancing measures. I think the biggest issue is the FA have is not all clubs will be able to deliver us. That said, all the time we have these guidelines, we have to observe, but it should not stop us challenging them. So, yeah, thank you for that, Barry. I, I completely agree with that, and, uh, you know, I do think we could host uh, football quite successfully um and Stu, i know you're busy tonight you've got to go very soon but um sure, just, yeah. i mean the difference the frustrating thing with that statement um and barry's 100 right but the, uh, the thing i struggle to understand with that statement is that they they want to tarnish everybody with the same brush when it comes to this but they didn't when it comes to the end 100%. of season results and whether they should stay so they just need to get some consistency and and make sure everybody's treated same to a certain extent at this lower level anyway but no Barry's very spot on really to be honest with what he's saying there I think we've got even though we've had a few put out we've, we've got enough stewards down at the club that be able to, to help and manage it properly and I think our fans would respect that um, unfortunately we're in the hands with, of the Eastman League and and the, and the government I guess and the FA so and uh, yeah my view on those three parties will remain remain uh, to myself but uh, yeah, I'm sure they've um, I'm sure they've got it under control <laughs> Well, we, we have had a message from Ollie Kay and he's, he's just put in the chat, yep, don't ever vote the Tories. <laughs> and he's promised that's going to be his only political tweets of the night. <laughs> so you so you're, you guys are allowed to come on Wednesday to the Littlehampton game? Yeah, so we've got a team going down on Littlehampton on Wednesday. So um, obviously there, I, I'll be nice. working on that day. But, uh, you know, it's, I'll, I'll try and tune into it. I think it's uh, Sam and Pete going. Um, but they uh, hopefully it might happen. It, it's down to, I guess, the parent club that's hosting the match. Um, as I know, Pete would know that. So, I mean, I mean, the, I guess the thing so is... On, um, sorry, mate, yeah. Sorry, mate. I was just going to say, on, um, on Saturday down at um, St Francis, when we were playing Whitehawk, everybody was tested... Um, in terms of temperature, body temperatures, they came in. You had to, it's so many restrictions. We weren't allowed to use the change rooms. Um, so it's, um, yeah, there's a lot of restrictions in place. So I understand why people are doing it, but then I, I don't in the, on the other on the other hand. So you mentioned changing rooms. What's um, the plan at Woodside with the changing rooms? Obviously, they are quite close together. Would we both teams be allowed to use the changing rooms? Um, yeah, I guess so. Um, for a league game, I don't think we've got much choice. So, yeah, uh, as far as I'm concerned, they would. And the start of the season, obviously, the FA will, will guide us, but at the start of the season, I'm sure they, they don't want um, one team getting changed outside while the other one gets changed inside. I'm, I'm sure they would just want everything as it was previously. So, um, so yeah, I, I imagine so. imagine so. No, that would be, um, be great to see in the new changing room doing for our home lads. Uh, it looks quite good from the pictures I've seen on uh, Twitter and social media over the course of the summer. I'm looking forward to seeing yeah. the end result. Well needed, well needed, that changed me. Tell you that, well needed. Well, um, 
Pete, have you got any final words before um, Stu goes and finishes his work or watch Man United for the night? Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Bit of both. Bit of both. There we go. We got it out of you in the end. Yeah, we got it out of you. He said said earlier he's not. (laughs) No, mate. Trust me, I'm working. I've got got too much work on it. But they're both equally as frustrating as each other. I can promise you that one. So... Um, but yeah, no, my boys. Yeah, if, if you've got any other questions, I'm happy to take them. Otherwise, I'll leave you to it. Well, Steve, thank you very much. That's really lovely to hear from oh. you. Yeah, and you yeah, keep up the good work. And I guess I'll see you on uh, on Wednesday. Um, the boys are looking. Yeah, just in terms of the boys and tra- um, pre-season, they're looking they're looking good. A few trial, um, uh, boys are looking sharp. A few of them are going off on holiday or happening on holiday. So, have um, we got any signings soon? Is there any big name signings or anyone mm-hmm. signing for the club in the next week or so? Can you give us a little bit of glimmer of hope, maybe? <laughs> no, mate. No, there's nothing at the moment. Oh, he's keeping his cards close to his chest there. I'm not, mate. I wish I'd, if I had something, I'd tell you. Trust no, me. We've but, got no, a good bunch of lads yeah. anyway, so I don't feel too much in. Uh, mate, there's in, not much you can change. No. I've asked, been asked that question probably about ten times over the last week in terms of any signings coming on board and. There's not much you can change out of that first team, really. No. The midfield is probably the best midfield, especially the centre of it, but the best midfield in the league. Uh, obviously, missing Dorsey is probably another striker. Defence, cent- uh, Alfie and Azza, centre-halves, again, are probably the best in the league. We've got two really good full-backs in Cam and, and Tate. Goalkeeper's situation is obviously one that Hinch is looking at, but mate, there's not yeah, much you can change. Yeah. Hinch did say he was close last, uh, last week when I saw him. Um, so, nothing more. No, no, mate, no, nothing more from uh, I can add to that, really. I think we're, as Hinch says, we are, by the sound of things, we are close to, to sorting that position out. Um, but, yeah, nothing nothing I can add to that, to, to what Hinch says. I wouldn't want to, because obviously Hinch is the, the main man. But, um, yeah, nothing I can add to that, that conversation, really, mate. But I don't, the, the good thing about the change room at the moment is it's, it's a really good bunch of lads, really good chemistry in the change room. Um, nothing's really changed from last season. They're just still as gobby and messy <laughs> and... and, and throwing at me as they were last time this time last season so uh, I, I I can't imagine it changing too much I don't think anybody at the club would want it changing too much to be quite honest with you so. I guess a goal is okay one, one final question Stuart what? Some, yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry James um, one, one final question Stuart any news yep. on the ongoing saga with the pitch <laughs> no, no it's, again it's not really my place to say but no mate as far as I'm concerned it's it's as it was. Um, Barry's working his socks off to to come to an agreement. I think by the sound of things, the suppliers getting a bit tricky um, with us. So um, it's ongoing, um, but it it will come to a conclusion. Um, I'm hoping sooner rather than later for everybody's sake, because it's a distraction that the club doesn't need. Really, we need everybody kind of focused on the next season and. And it's just an ongoing every season, every month, every week. It's just kind of like, what about the pitch? What about the pitch? What about the pitch? And it just takes the, to a certain extent, the limelight away from what's the, all the positive stuff that's going on around the club and the ground at the moment. Um, and yeah, so I'm hoping it's, I'm hoping it gets sorted out sooner rather than later. I really am. But that's in Barry's hands, and I'm sure he's, he's working his socks off for it. So, fantastic. Thank you. It's so good to hear from you, mate, and look after yourself. And um, we'll Cheers, speak pal. very soon. And we'll get, we'll get, we'll get to, we'll get, get everyone get together for a pre-season uh, get together before the league uh, is done, and we'll do it on air. If you, if you're free, it'd be great to have you. Yes, man, I'm sure I am. I'm going to go and uh, open up the laptop and and watch the Man United lose to Seville. 
I was, one, I was wondering what you were going to say there, mate, but we'll keep it at that on that note. All right. <laughs> I, I won't put you onto that. I won't put you onto that pressure of me saying anything like that, mate. Though. Right. Oh, <laughs> love you. Love you lots, mate. Have Take a care lovely evening, boys. Appreciate your time. Thanks, man. Good luck. See you later. Yourself. Take care. Yeah. Cheers, Joe. Bye, 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 bye. So, guys and girls uh, that are listening right now, thank you for joining us. Um, get in touch. Uh, we've got the chat room open. Pete's having a look at the chat. We've got a Twitter account at RebelYellWFCSA on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Ask your questions, join in. Um, we've got some great guests coming up tonight, but I think what we're going to do first, we're going to play a little song. We'll get our next guest on, and uh, we'll be back with you very shortly, guys. So, um, I'll speak to you in a bit. This is the Rebel Yell Podcast. Yes, that was High Hopes Panic at the Disco. I guess it's quite uh, relevant right now, High Hopes, because we have got high hopes of getting back soon, and that's half the point of this um, podcast tonight, to get a little traction. But joining us right now, we're very uh, pleased to announce, uh, Trevor Nell. Trevor, how are you doing? Uh, fine, thanks, James. Thanks for having me on this evening. No, thank you for coming on, especially at short notice. Uh, I know Pete and myself have been working at this. Uh, to have someone like yourself that's so involved in non-league is great to have on the line on this uh, special Rebel Yell. So just tell the fans, first time on Rebel Yell, tell the fans a little bit about yourself. It'd be great to get to know you. Yeah, first, first time for me. Um, I've been following Worthing for probably pretty much the entire time um, George has been there um in that time i've done a bit of work on the website uh, i used to speak to adam twice a week to get a preview and then a reaction after the game um i spent a bit of time with pete stone when he first came in as well um so and i, and I get along to woodside quite as often as i can alongside everything else i try and fit in as well yeah no it's um it, it sounds like you've uh, had a busy uh, busy time following uh, the rebels over the past few years and as uh, as people know myself I've been sort of following them for a couple of years so I haven't seen the change in that period of time and obviously getting involved with that but um so let fans in you've been getting behind this quite a lot on your blog as you've been saying to me off air so you know what what is your view on the let fans in campaign well to start with I'll, I'll just promote the blog a little bit um, yeah, I have a non league blog I've been doing for about 3 years um and obviously, you know, being non-league, it opens itself up to a huge, great spectrum and, and you can go anywhere with it. There's always something going on. Uh, if you haven't been along to have a look, it's www.footballwriting.blog. Simple as that. Um, I, I sort of came across the campaign last week. Um, I was just scrolling through Twitter and um, I saw what Dorking Wanderers were trying to put together and everything. And I thought, wow, this is something you've got. Everyone's got to get behind this. There's nothing you can not have, you know, grounds without fans in. So quite simple as that, especially at non-league level, clubs are not going to be able to survive without it. So I went blogging last week on it, uh, picked up a lot of traction on it myself there. I've noticed more and more clubs getting on board the last six or seven days as well since I first blogged. And I've just actually stuck another one up this evening uh, to just kind of, you know, put into sort of perspective of, of how they're allowing people to go and sit in a snooker theatre of 300 people with no masks on inside yet we can't go and have 150 people outside which we all know as non-league fans it's easily possible to do it in any ground up and down the country yeah when you when you say that you know you, you think about a football pitch and you've got three 360 meters around it 
um, and a lot of them uh, st- stood back quite away. So you know, there's just, just, just it just makes no logical sense to quite quite a lot of us. It's just frustrating. Yeah, I quite agree with that. I mean, um, you know, even even you get down to your steps five and six, they've all got capacities of around about a thousand, in some cases two thousand, and we're asking them to let fifty people in that you know wouldn't even take up probably half the perimeter fencing, you know, all the way around the ground. You know, in a, in a lot of grounds I've been to, there there still would be no issue. People going to the bar, getting a drink, people going getting a burger or anything like that. There is so much room inside these grounds that I think people just don't see especially once you get into the realms of higher up in the government that just don't understand the pyramid game at all exactly um a, a, a gentleman called stephen powell um he put a really interesting tweet out with some uh, with some tables to um it was part of a letter that he sent um now i wanted to contact him to ask him his permission if i could use this but i'm sure i'm sure he won't mind because it was all about the fan, that fanzine campaign. Um, but you went through the step five and step six leagues. Uh, now, I've just, I'm just going to say a couple of these um, leagues. Um, now, in step five, one of the leagues is the Combined Counties League Premier Division. 21 teams in it, and the average league attendance is 99 fans. Eastern Counties Southern League Premier Division... 20 teams in that division, league average, 127 fans. Essex Senior League, 19 teams in it, league average, 77. So I'm not going to go through the whole lot, but that just sort of says how how stupid this moment. Yeah, I quite, I quite agree. Um, you know, you can, you can probably pick another half a dozen out of there, Peter, as well, and those figures are not going to be any different at all. Even the clubs that get two or three hundreds through the gate, they know they can comfortably look after those people within that stadium without any trouble whatsoever. You know, even if everyone's got to go in wearing a mask, to be honest, I don't think anyone's going to, is really, you know, going to complain about that. You're going to take it off to have a drink. You're going to take it off to, you know, have something to eat. But people want to be inside watching their football team. And as I've put in the blog this evening as well, stopping people actually going to these games is detrimental to mental health. Um, it's detrimental to the communities that are around these small little clubs that you know thrive on them being open on a Saturday and on a Tuesday evening. Um, you know, and it's you know it's, it's been talked about all through the last three or four months how much effect the lockdown has had on on you know people's mental health of not being able to do the things that they can usually do. Football's a great release for so many people that it is really really stopping them. And you know the long term harm it can do it will do to more people than it will be beneficial uh, yep so, sorry james no i was just i was just going to say you know i think the thing is is one of my f- favorite away days of last season as pete knows and many of the rebel yell listeners away boys know was brightling c it was the first proper one i've done on the coach so always going to be special uh the match the fact that the worthing went top and just the whole atmosphere it was a proper non-league ground but the thing is there is you know nothing against brightling c but there wasn't that many fans in the ground. So I just take that for an example, because obviously at Woodside Road, we're used to seeing quite a lot of people. And yes, I can appreciate that that might have to be cut slightly capacity-wise. But I look at it, and you look around that picture bright and see, if we'd wanted to, we could easily have spread around. I mean, a lot of the Worthing fans have spread quite evenly, you know, metres apart, you know, along the side of the behind the goal. So how... I can't fathom how, as you say, and this whole snooker thing this weekend, I don't watch snooker anyway, but I just refuse to put it on because it's just going to frustrate me too much. 
Yeah, I think uh, you know, and and it's not it's not just the you know it's not just the, the snooker as well. It's other things you can go and do. You know, you can go and sit in a bowling alley. You know, yeah. we can all go to the pub, you know, have a few beers. Um, but we can't stand a meter apart from you know friends that you've seen to you know to you know go to football five ten years. Um, it, it you know if it was consistent, I think people would be okay. Yes, you know we have to do this, but. It, there's so many inconsistencies all over the place in what you can and can't do and when a lot of it relates to inside and outside and that's where the inconsistencies come I think that's what is getting people's goat a lot more than anything else I think also yeah, Pete would probably be quite scared of being in a social bubble with me as well I don't think he'd want to be stuck in one of them <laughs> with me <laughs> yeah. I, think, I think one of the things I'd say as well is as, as part of this uh, podcast is um, we are not taking away from the seriousness of the the pandemic that we you know we all we're all living through it at the moment um and it, it is a pain but you know we've seen different sectors open up and it's just it's just frustrating um and like i say you know we, we're not we're not taking it lightheartedly like I say if we had to wear masks we'd we'd wear masks as you know there's not an, there's not an issue with that um, we know things are going to have to change. Protocols are going to have to change. We may have to live with this for some time. I think we're all aware of that until a, a vaccine is found. Whether the Russian one's any good has been disputed. But <laughs> <laughs> who knows? But apparently Putin had some side effects on some memes I've seen. Um, what, what, what? But we, we won't go into no, that. No, no, no. Um, <laughs> But, but like I say, you know, hopefully, you know, a vaccine will be found sooner rather than later. But we just want to put out there that we are not taking COVID-19 lightly. We, you know, we're not saying that, you, you know, open the gates and we will flood in. We're not saying that at all. No, I, I quite agree with that, Pete. I'll, I'll just sort of take you back about two or three, three weeks as well. I went up to um, the Hive at, at Barnet, our home ground. Um, obviously, we were in the playoffs away at Yeovil and Notts County. Um, and they sold tickets and opened the, opened the bar up. Um, holds about 200 people. So, again, it would have been, you know, quite a small event and everything. Um, not at any point throughout that whole af- two afternoons in a row sitting there did I not feel that I was safe. The club hadn't done enough. There were sanitizers everywhere. Your name and address and telephone number were taken as you walked in the door for the track and trace. Everything was down on the floor for you to keep apart when you were at the bar, when you were going to get food. Toilets were monitored as for ins and outs and everything. It was totally safe. And I know that was an inside environment, but it's the closest I've got to live football in the last three and a half months. Um, but, I, but I felt, you know, there was no issue with it. You know, I, I caught the tube up, the train up, people in masks. It was, the, you know, they were empty. Um, you know, I, I've, I found it safe every, everywhere I've gone. And, and I think people have done as much as they can do because they've, they've been asked to do it. They've followed the protocols. And I don't see why non-league football will be any different it will be exactly the same let's play devil's advocate here and say uh vaccines never found what how how do we go forward especially in the world of sport because you know sometimes they can't find a vaccine you know hopefully rumors are having it that there might be a sort of vaccine trials coming up very soon and hopefully we might have something by the end of the year which i hope and pray just for everyone just for my workplace i work in the aviation and travel industry i know other people's industry and so many people affected by this but what happens if there isn't a vaccine where do we go from that i think that's a question for the politicians isn't it <laughs> yeah it sounds it it's totally a bit political i blame i blame ollie k earlier for uh, starting the political chat <laughs> <laughs> 
Are you going, Pete, or am I? You, you are Trevor on that one. Lovely, thanks. Um, well, I mean, it's, I mean, I've had a, 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 a well, I'll say a funny time of it. Um, I deliver for um, Amazon, obviously, alongside trying to do my football writing and that. So for me, I haven't had any different all through the pandemic. I've worked um, same times, if anything. Obviously, I've been even busy because everyone's been at home just ordering on Amazon and not doing a lot else because I couldn't. Um, so it's been a, an almost relatively normal time for me. Um, when it sort of lockdown started easing and things were easing as well, I could understand a lot of the people's anxieties and everything and not wanting to, you know, go back out and that. And literally, I think, in my opinion, because the media whipped up such a frenzy of scaremongering and making it out to, you know, this to be the worst thing ever and it's never going to go away and, you know, it's really going to be a struggle for people. Um, and I think a lot of that then has got people not being able to, you know, want to get back to what they were doing. Um, I've found it's now, it's, you know, and as it should have been maybe slightly earlier, that it's a, it's a choice of, of, of personal risk as to whether you want to go out, whether you feel safe enough doing it. Um, as I mentioned just a little while ago, I've, I've been to the pub, I've been on the train, I've been on the tube. Everywhere I've been, I've felt as safe as I have been you know, any time beforehand. I don't know if that's just because I've worked all the way through, so I've seen it as it's still relatively normal for me. The only thing I can't do is go and watch a football match, which I could do before. Um, you know, and I think, you know, there is a good possibility there never will be a vaccine for it. There may be, and it may be in short supply like the flu. It may only go to, you know, the most vulnerable. Um, it's a, a damn good question, James, and very difficult to answer, but... Um, yeah, you know that's the best I can do with it. Sorry, I would I would say I could blame the beer, but I'm actually drinking Corona, so maybe that's the reason why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do you think as well, Trevor? Um, like, like you sort of touched on the fact that you know um, it could have an effect on people ha- actually not wanting to come to to football anymore, full stop. Um, and and the fact that last season that they decided to null and void a lot of the non-league leagues which obviously angered a lot of people. Um, you know, this is sort of two, two things which are, you know, possibly going to have a very, very detrimental effect, the amount of people, spectators, that football clubs can get in. I, I think it will do. Uh, I say, again, down to the personal risk, there will be a lot of people that think, um, you know, I may still be in the, out in the open air, but, um, you know, everything I've read over the last three or four months, I can still catch it if I go and touch this or if someone you know does breathe on me um you know I, I i think the last month or two they should have made a lot more of the fact that people are testing positive for coronavirus but the amount of people that are actually going into hospital with it has almost dropped off the scale um and that would put you know a lot of hope a lot of reassurance back into people that you know things aren't quite as gloomy and as and as bleak as as it is um People not wanting to go to a football match that have done it for the last 30 or 40 years. Um, now, it'd be hard to see those sorts of people that don't feel that they're going to be safe to be able to go and do that anymore. And when you look at, when you get down to steps five and six, yeah, a lot of the population that, that do go and watch football at that level are in the category that's going to be most vulnerable. You can only do as much as you can with everything around the ground. All the clubs have obviously had to do their inspections, their checklists and everything. It's as safe as it can be. Um, again, my personal opinion, I think maybe because I've had quite a normal experience through 2020, um, 
you know, you can get knocked over by a car, you can get struck down by a heart attack, something else, just as freak as common, I think, as you can of, of getting coronavirus now and ending up in a hospital on it. I mean, let me just put it this way. So, you know, as, as people know, uh, Nick Courtnard, listening in from Germany, and myself, we're both flight attendants. Sadly, Nick's currently furloughed still over in Germany. I've been called back. And you know what? When it first started, both my, myself and my wife, who also works in the airline industry, we were both very nervous about going on planes because obviously in such a confined space. But we've done a handful of flights now. I've been back about three weeks flying. And I think everyone is observant everyone wears a face mask you have to tell the odd one or two people um to put them on but most of the time they are observant and i think that because they've got that common goal they want to get to their destination they want to go on holiday they want to try and enjoy it so surely if that was one of the rules at the football then people would feel comfortable doing it if we had to wear a mask yeah there's going to be probably some singing there's there's these rumors about no singing and everything like that but you know for a fact that's hard to police people are still going to sing people are going to cheer when they score a goal it's not going to be like the old 1900s where everyone just applauds very gentlemanly when a goal goes in so i don't see the issue now i feel comfortable going into a crowded place i worked in a supermarket during furlough as well so you know it's one of those things that it doesn't really worry me and i know everyone's different and i know people will be um quite nervous going back some people might the first time you step into a football game might be the first crowded place they've been but one thing and Paul Gray who's uh, messaged me has, has brought it up quite uh, quite a good point here he said as devil's advocate as higher leagues aren't allowing fans in are the powers that be worried that people trying to find a game at any level so lower league could be overcrowded now what do you think of that because that has resonated with me a couple of times yeah I have, I have thought that especially with the pre-season friendlies and everything um, and I can I can understand them thinking that because people are desperate for a, for a football fix. Um, but the Premier League is you know has been on your TV for practically every night for for a month and a half. When it comes back in four weeks time, funny enough, I was actually speaking to my mum a bit earlier, and I, and I said I wonder what they're going to do when the game starts in four weeks time because obviously they've got four weeks before they're allowed anybody back into a stadium. So are they all going to be televised again? Um, if they are, those people are going to get their fix by watching their team there. You will get the odd ones that, that, that do support Premiership side and, for example, Brighton fans that come to Worthing when Brighton are away. Uh, you know, you, you'll get that up and down the country, but I don't think you're going to get it to the expect, expectation that they think that because we've opened up Worthing and we can allow 500 people in there, they're going to fill 500 straight away and it's going to be not just Worthing fans, it's going to be anybody that can, you know, go in to watch a game of football. Um, and again, I think that's a little bit of them not understanding, you know, the top end of the game, the middle end and where we are in grassroots. That's so true. Totally agree. Right, guys. Um, so what I'm going to do now is um, we've got uh, Rocks Radio. We've got Lee joining us in a second. So I'm going to just play a little song. Uh, I'm going to get him on the line and uh, we'll chat to see how Bogner have been coping. And we know they've been doing a lot of work. So they've had a successful crown funder this summer. So um, Rebel fans, it is a one-off. I promise you. It is, <laughs> we don't. El Clasico is put <laughs> behind us right now. We're all fans here, and Lee's a good guy. So let's welcome him on in a bit. But uh, here's a bit of uh, My Hero by Foo Fighters.
This is the Rebel Yell Podcast. Guys, that was Foo Fighters, Here Comes My Hero, and that was actually a Paul Gray request. So uh, I hope you enjoyed that, Paul, and I hope you enjoyed listening. Now, on the line, we have actually got Lee Roberts joining us from Rocks Radio. So, guys, I wasn't lying. He's on a Worthing podcast. Lee, welcome. How are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling a little bit dirty at the moment, guys. Well, <laughs> oh, nice as we are, man. I think we all need a shower after this, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> but as we said, all joking we're aside, we're, this is a massive, massive thing so for um, putting We're all mind. together in this. Yeah, we're yes. all together, aren't we? This That's is our why... forgetting rivalries. Yeah. Fantastic. So, Lee, just tell us how you've been this summer. How, um, obviously, what's what's been going on up the road? Um, at Nywood Lane, to, to be honest, it's been um, absolutely amazing uh, off the pitch. Uh, we had a, a, fund, a crowdfunding uh, thing, very similar to the Worthing did. It was called You Are um, Our Rocks. And the, the goal was to raise uh, £30,000 for the crowd um, for ground improvements. Um, and that was hit. Um, we then exceeded uh, £50,000. Um, so that was absolutely incredible. Um the stand, it looks like it's going in uh, at the moment. And to be fair, I've seen some of the plans of the new sound system. We've got new lights. The, the ground improvements are well overdue. Uh, for those that have been down to Nywood Lane, uh, would, would testify. It, it, it's uh, a little bit outdated. Uh, but now we're now starting to bring it up. And I think it's going to bring us in line with several clubs around the area. And I uh, hate to say it, but I'm loving what Worthing are doing. Um, behind the scenes as well it is looking absolutely magnificent down at Woodside definitely no thank you is your um, is your new stand going to be sturdier than the other one that blew away <laughs> that he, had to, get, he that had to get he had to get it in there the end. yeah that was to be, to be fair that was the old um, Broly end I think we had it for about three months and then the Storm Doris or whatever it was called decided uh, but it didn't like it. Must have been a must have been a, uh, a rebels fan, and uh, yeah, blew our brolly end away. So we we think that is coming back. And it, as I say, it's pretty unique. It looked good, and uh, I'm looking forward to getting back there uh, when we get back in. And uh, I'm just going to say, obviously, I know we're going to come on to it, but we need fans back. So coming on to that, I know yeah, we spoke so off there. Sorry, Pete. Sorry. No, no, I was just going to say on the um, obviously that's what we're here to discuss. Uh, mm. You know the, the let fans in campaign so you know the um t- tell us um you know in your own words your perspective mm. uh you know why you're getting behind this um quite simply I, I can't speak on behalf of Bogner. i can only speak um on behalf of myself um and i can only repeat some of the some of the conversations i've had um with fans and and to be honest with you i think it was i spoke with trevor uh, via whatsapp this morning and i think it summed everything up for me uh, Simon Rowe is a, is a photographer and he was not allowed to photograph Ferring playing uh, their opposition. I can't remember who it was. Um, sort of Trevor Tell me. Yeah, he, he wasn't allowed to photograph on a, on a pitch and it's just absolutely ridiculous. I'm taking Littlehampton where you guys are going on Wednesday to broadcast their cricket pitch and their football pitch overlap. I can go and stand one yard inside the cricket pitch and I can go and watch a game of cricket. I can't take a step to the right and go and watch a game of football. Hmm. That is absolutely ridiculous. And the statement that's been put out tonight by the FA, I don't know if you guys have seen it. I call it a statement. It's basically, we don't know what's going on. Good luck. And I'm not being funny. What's it going to take? Clubs are dying. 
and I'm so passionate about this, I'm peed off because the amount of hoop jumping that we've had to get to even be able to broadcast tomorrow's night game against Selzy, and Selzy have been absolutely wonderful. And I'm sure you guys have had the same issue with Littlehampton. It's nothing to do with Littlehampton. It's nothing to do with Selzy. It's the, the authorities are letting clubs die, and they're going to have blood in their hands when clubs are dying. It's as simple as that. Yeah, and I think I think we have actually, you know, we have actually had it. You know, we've we've lost a few already. Mm. Um, and uh, as we said, with um, you know, I, I I put a tweet up last week in reply in reply to somebody, and I, I said to them, I don't think you understand non league football because if you've got say say they only let fifty fans in, all of those paying a fiver, um, mm. all of them buy a burger and a pint, um, then basically you know that could be five six hundred pound, and that could be mm. you know the difference each week for them staying alive or going out of business i mean you look at a, a club based in portsmouth a club that's based very close to my heart baffins mountain rovers they are step i believe they're step five which is wessex uh, premier uh they've come up from saturday football where they've built some magnificent facilities uh they've got quite a well-known manager in now sean wilkinson who used to play for brighton weymouth he's used his contacts and he's got dorking wanderers as a pre-season friendly the likes of Dorking, who nearly went up this year into the conference, coming down, have had to pull the plug and lose potentially five, ten thousand pounds that could have kept them going for two seasons. And that is because the authorities can't make a decision. Okay, I understand that people are still dying because there is horrible, horrible disease. But what is the difference between letting three hundred people in the crucible? I believe, and again, if I've got this wrong, I apologise. Is, they're not wearing masks. We're outside as football fans. We can socially distance. It's ridiculous. It really is. Yeah, and on, on the point of the snooker, Jimmy, um, sorry, Ronya Sullivan's just won it. So they've only got to watch one frame. So, ha <laughs> <laughs> I think I think it's well, Lee. I mean, obviously, yep. you were with me at Wick a couple of years ago. Um, yep. Step five, we were there. How much of a struggle it is at that level? I think it'd be fair to say that if you and I, if you and I were still there, um, we wouldn't be around this this summer. We wouldn't have survived through that. On literally, the clubhouse was providing most of the funding for the football. No, not most of it, Trev. All of it. There was no money being made through football, as as we know. I think on mo- most occasions we were making probably a fiver. So without the functions, that that's going obviously is a something different. But you, you've got, as, as you say, the likes of Wick not being able to let fans in. Is as I say, you're not even going to get a fifty people turning up to watch, and that's no disrespect. But it's I just don't understand why fans are not allowed in. I, I get it at national league level, even Conference South, I understand. But we are talking the likes of Ferring the likes of uh, local parks, football. I can't go and watch Ferring on a local park because I would be breaking the law, and I, I refuse to break the law. So I can't go and stand on a public park and watch a game of football. It's absolutely stupid, and something's got to be done. I absolutely love the hashtag let fans in, and as, as, as I would applaud everybody, please sign the petition, tweet your local MP, tweet the DCMS, we've got to get this campaign unstoppable. The BBC this weekend have been fantastic. 
they've really helped with the campaign and it just needs to keep going as I say and um, I'm really looking forward to going down to Selzy tomorrow to, to see Bogner but I almost don't want to go because I feel guilty that the likes of other fans I'm not going to name them but other fans they can't go it's ridiculous I'm always tempted to go and hire them a, a cherry pick uh-huh. But at least you can at least you can bring a service to them. You, you've got you could bring them a service, and that's you know that's what you can feel proud of. That like you know it's like Pete on Wednesdays going down to do the Little mm. game where people can't see it. And yeah, as you say, you could go and stand mm. and watch the cricket pitch, but you could you can't turn to your right and watch the football pitch. But you guys that are going in there, you're yeah you're mm. you're lucky that you're going to see the football firsthand. But you're bringing a service mm. like a lot of this modern day stuff which you've done with Rocks Radio, we've mm. done with Rebel Yell Live and the podcast and everything. Mm. We're bringing a new generation of fans and a new way of broadcast fans that's never been allowed at Lon or never been available at non-league before no and as I say I mean I've started quite a few years ago now with having a water leave and it was quite groundbreaking at the time doing the um, Hawks FM um, that's now gone on to Hawks Radio and uh, they had the TV there the other day actually doing it so I, I, I love the fact that we can actually broadcast now I, I will actually try and listen on Wednesday to you guys um, against Littlehampton uh, but the fact that the only way that people can see this is by listening to us. I've always said I'd rather have nobody listen and 500 people come and watch the game. Yeah. That's now not a possibility. So I, I feel dreadfully sorry for, for people who can't go and watch. As I say, you wouldn't get more than 100 people on a Monday night going to watch Selfie. And that's no disrespect to Selfie, but it's just absolutely daft the way the rules are at the moment. I just... And to be honest, the closer we get, I can actually see non-league football not going ahead. I really can, because if it was going to happen, I think it had happened by now, and I'm starting to get rather worried the closer we get, and the statement that gets put out, it's just kicking the can down the road, and they can't make a decision. Well, the thing is, the thing is as well, you know, that statement they put out—it's a—it's a nothing statement. It told us nothing new whatsoever in the whole grant, the grand scheme of things, did it? Mm. No, nothing. Um, I'm just trying to multitask. I'm hoping you guys can. Can you still hear me? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, lovely. Stop multitasking and concentrate. Yeah. I just want to find out. A name check this person. Ollie Bayless has been. He needs knifing for every third that he's going to fight. Who's that? Ollie Bayless? He's a legend. Ollie, yeah, Ollie's been fantastic. Yeah. Really fantastic. The, the, the statement, and I use the word statement very, very loosely. <laughs> One uh, paragraph. Yeah, it says, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, it says, we continue to follow government advice with regards to the return of spectators and are working continuously with the Sports Ground Safety Authority, DCMS and leagues to seek approval for a safe return as soon as feasibly possible. Wow. Round of applause, there. Round of applause. Yeah. I, I've got to be very, very careful what I say. Um, obviously, those that know me uh, know what I do in my spare time. <laughs> so I've got to be very, very careful what I say. But I just, I just, I just, oh, I just, I'm actually lost for words. I just, I don't know what to say, guys. I really don't. It's just that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pick one up there um, from reading the non-league paper the um, this morning. Um, and Mark Harris, the Northern Northern Premier League chairman, um, actually in, in his column, he's quoted as, as saying, it's not actually the FA that are the problem, it's the DCMS who aren't talking to the rest of the government. So, 
Um, you know, there are some very good people with, within the FA, which I I found helpful when I was secretary mm. at WIC. Um, mm. You know, at both FA and and uh, county FA level, um, I don't have a great opinion of them on some other things that they do. Um, <laughs> I, I'm, I mean, Mark Harris is quite a you know quite a well known name in, in in circles and that. And I think if if he's coming out with that sort of thing, then maybe the FA need a little bit of slack because they've done what they can do if the government aren't talking to each other and they're the ones that got to make the decision then mm. you know, it, it should be getting aimed more I've noticed a little bit more I think the last four or five days that less has been going towards the FA mm. uh, Twitter handle and more towards the DCMS where it should be um, mm. but beyond that I don't know who else you send it to? Because if they're not talking to whoever they're supposed to be talking to, who should they be talking to? I don't know. Do we send it to Boris? The, the thing is as well, I mean, we, we talk about getting fans back and at the end of the day, I, I understand that in the grand scheme of things, it, football doesn't matter. I, I completely understand that while people are, are still dying because of this horrible, horrible illness, this virus is still going. We've got to be sensible. What annoys me is the fact that you've got absolute idiots going down to Bournemouth Beach, trying to sleep overnight for a kickoff, crowding the beach, ignoring all the advice, and yet people who who use football as as a release. Um, um, I don't want to get onto to mental health uh, sites, but they use it to I escape for ninety and minutes, it, and, it, and it does affect it. It does. It does to- to- totally. I'm I'm going stir crazy to be honest. <laughs> I mean, there's only so much. There's only so much um, wheels on the bus go round and round. But I, I, can take, uh, I you know what? I would actually take us. I'd actually give Worthing the league title from last season. I'd go down and nick the trophy if I can go and watch the game. Just, just get me back to the game. Well, I think a certain I, mean, mani- I think a certain manager had some say in that, but we'll leave that there, won't we? Of uh, Bogner. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah. You I'll cannot defend Jack Pierce now. <laughs> Jack's only one man, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not. I'm not going to say. But <laughs> I think we have to discuss if over on air over a pint one time. <laughs> that's, that's a whole different podcast. Yeah, Bob yeah. <laughs> be Worthing. What the podcast coming soon? <laughs> so anyway, we've we've had a few messages in. Um, Dave and Jane London, a Dorking Wondrous fan, immensely proud of my club being one of the leading forces in the campaign. Very odd that the big non-league clubs are pretty quiet on let fans in. Um, Matt from, obviously, Worthing Football Club. Uh, no need for masks to watch Stuka at the Crucible. And so, so no need for masks watching football outdoors, in my opinion. Um, very well said, Lee, regarding the statement the FA has issued tonight. Is that your mum? Sorry? <laughs> I said, was that Lee's mum? <laughs> I said, that might be my wife. <laughs> yeah, that, was, that was Matt again. Um, and then Dave, David and Jane London, uh, the Dorking fan who had already commented, has just put, I'd happily pay first team prices to watch Dorking reserves right now, but I can't even do that because our reserves are step six combined counties league. So he's, even that isn't allowed, even though they only usually get parents watch, which is generally less than 30. Wow, it's crazy, yeah. isn't it? That's crazy. It's, just, it's ridiculous, isn't it? And then, yeah, and Matt's pipes up again. If it's not deemed safe for a small crowd to watch pre-season friendly, then surely it's not safe for those actual friendlies to go ahead in the first place. True. Yeah, and 
something I want to touch on with that is um, I, I I referee my, myself um, at Parks Football, and the, the way were. the yeah I'm a referee. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, not only am I hated by Worthing, I'm also a referee. Um, but I, I do want to say I've, I've done two games, and the first game I did. Um, they they took all the details. They took the players' temperature before the game, and uh, they they um, cleaned uh, the actual goalposts at half time, which I've never seen. They were spraying it and cleaning it, which was incredible. Um, but the the other game, it was twenty two blokes heading the ball, getting within one meter of each other, and I'm not being funny. That can't be safe. I don't know if that guy's got COVID nineteen. I I'm going to Scooby. And I understand that I, I'm taking a risk with that, but I understand what, what Matt has said. Yeah, it, to be fair, it isn't safe to to go to to take place, but obviously it, it is common sense with people standing the metre aside. And I'll tell you now, if you let people in at non-league level, um, I've met many, many people, many, many groundhoppers, um, and I include 99.9% of non-league fans they are sensible. They will adhere to the rules. They will do whatever they can because they know how dear it is to have something that they hold so dear ripped away and not to be able to go and do the one thing that they love. Everything else in the country has been allowed to happen. I can go bowling. I can go and get my eyebrows trimmed. I can go and get a haircut, but I can't <laughs> go and stand on a football pitch. Well, you, clearly, you, know, you clearly haven't been doing that, have you? <laughs> <laughs> That would be wise to be doing, yeah, but I could do everything apart from go and watch a football. Why is football the last thing to be done? I understand this is the lowest rank of priorities, but surely, surely now is the time. Give us a chance. That's all I'm asking. Yeah, yeah. I think I think you right, can't be anyway, any fairer. Sorry, James. Um, can we obviously hold this conversation for a bit because we need to get... Ben Smith from Herne Bay on the line, the manager there. Yep, so what we'll do is people we'll play a little song. Uh, we'll get Good him on, dial him up, and we'll uh, we'll be back very shortly for you guys. Rebel Yell Podcast. This is the Rebel Yell Podcast. Right, guys, we're, we are back. Police with Don't Stand So Close To Me. And as we were just saying off the air, I think a very apt song for what's going on at the moment on this broadcast. But as promised, we have got Ben Smith, who's joined us from Herne Bay. Uh, he's a first-team manager. Ben, welcome on this. Uh, thanks for coming on at 8 o'clock on a Sunday night and at such short notice. How have you been? No, I've been good. It's uh, been great to get back to football. Um, it's great that there's uh, a lot of interest in non-league football at the minute. Um, you know, obviously... We've got our own opinions about what's going on, um, but you know, one positive to take out of it is that there is a lot of talk about non-league, which is uh, which is uh, not always the case. So that's great. That's fantastic. So okay, your first then. time on Rebel Yell, just give us a little um, little bit about yourself, your history in non-league, like what uh, a bit about Herne Bay and everything like that. Would be amazing. Um, yeah, I, I took over Herne Bay last last season. Um, we sort of took the club. Um, from sort of relegation sort of fighters, uh, perennial relegation fighters to, to a side really that were pushing for promotion. Um, you know, it, we started from scratch midway through last pre-season um, and we've just built, you know, from top to bottom, um, we've built the club um, 
up and, and we were gaining some huge momentum. Um, I think we were one of the form sides in the league going into the back end of the season and sitting quite nicely in the playoff positions. Um, so, yeah, disappointing on that. Um, pre- previously to Herne Bay, uh, I was manager of Canterbury City for two seasons. Um, and we got to the FA Vars semi-final in my final season there. Um, and, and, yeah, obviously moved to Herne Bay and, and we're... We're looking upwards rather than the club looking over the shoulder all the time, um, which is good. Uh, but obviously, with that, you know, the null and void situation, and now, um, you know, the, the social distancing uh, factor, and you know, no supporters in there, etc. It's uh, it really does feel like we're sort of have to start from scratch after a, a long hard season, um, which is disappointing. Yes, a bit, a bit. Um, going back to the sort of point you made, you know, with, with the null and void and, and now this position that we find ourselves in, um, how, how, dis, how difficult is, is it for a club for you? Because obviously um, you said you was in a playoff place, um, you know, and they, they didn't want to go points per game like the other leagues. Um, what sort of position is this putting a club in? You said you've, you've gone forward as a club. Um, is, is this going to be a setback for yourselves financially, etc., and on the pitch? Well, I think when when we took over, because it wasn't just me and as manager, it was uh, you know we had a consortium um, sort of merged with a couple of board members that were there already. Um, the club were in a position where financially they were going to fold. Um, you know, if, if what was going, if, if it carried on, it, the club wouldn't exist anymore. Um, so we had to clear a lot of debt, and it took us a long time during pre, over pre-season, um, you know, start of the season. You know, the, we weren't just using the money that we were getting through the gate, etc., to pay players um, or improve our sort of facilities. Some of that was, was going to, towards the debt that you know previous um, directors had actually incurred on the club. Um, you know, so we got ourselves in a position where we were looking, you know, like we were we getting to a, a really strong financial situation um, and really moving forwards. Um, and then suddenly, yes, null and void. Um, we missed out on you know five or six home games at the end of the season, where obviously we were pushing um, the club we were going to play. The likes of Hastings um, would have brought big crowds down as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, we we were if the season carried on, we would have got over the four hundred average uh, mark, uh, which for our club would have been phenomenal. Um, you know, and that was just ever increasing. Um, so. So yes, we from a position where we were looking like we we would be in a strong financial position at the end of the year, that then sort of went backwards, and it's kind of like you were you know kind of like hamster on on the wheel really. It just seemed like that that mark that we were aiming for as a club, uh, certainly the treasurer, that just got pushed further and further away. Um, you know, we had a lot of of stuff that we were planning to do at the ground um, in terms of improvements to the facilities there, you know. Um, a lot of that had to get put on the back burner. Uh, we still still follow through with some of the, the things we, we were looking to do. But now, obviously, with no fans in pre-season, financially, that, that just it, it kills it kills the start of, of the season for us. Um, we're not a club with one person that puts loads of money in. Um, we have in the past had someone that's been able to do that. And, you know, that can only go on for so long. Um, you know, we're lucky enough He's still with the club, and I'm sure he'll still help the club out. Um, but yeah, obviously it can't be one man, um, a one-man band running the club, putting pumping money. It's not 
a long-term uh, solution. So yeah, so for us, the money in pre-season, that would have really set us up uh, for the season. Um, and, you know, that's been taken off us. Um, you also have to consider, you know, the likes of the volunteers. Um, you know, thankfully, we have a lot of volunteers at our club. Have they found something else to do during this time? Um, you know, that, that's always a worry. The supporters, we were talking about pushing over the 400 mark. Um, you know, some of those people might have forgotten what it was that they fell in love with coming to the football. Um, you know, and we were really growing. You know, you're seeing new, more new faces there. You know, as, as a manager in non-league, you get to under, you get a vibe and a feel for who's actually watching you. Um, you see the faces, you get to know people. Um, mm. You know, and it'd be interesting to see some of those faces if, if all those faces turn up again. Um, because the, the, the longer it goes on, the more chance they will find something else to do on a Saturday afternoon. And that and that's a big worry, I think, for not more after the club, the whole of non-league. Hundred um, percent. Yeah, sorry, I rambled there, but uh, no, 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 it's good. Fine, it's good to hear your views. So, uh, is, is this gonna is this gonna sort of Im- impact, you know, um, negatively on your plans for next season? Because, like you say, you lost games at the end of the season. You're now losing income from the pre-season friendlies. Is that going to affect the way your budgets are for next season? And if so, are you going to be like this season, last season, the null and void season, and stop you from sort of pushing where you want to be like it was last season? Um, well, I think every club's going to have to have cutbacks in in, in some areas. Um, even the clubs that have got, you know, as I said earlier, someone that puts loads of money in, um, you know, their business could have been affected by it. So I think there'll be cuts across the board. Um, we're after the club. We're lucky that you know we have um, really good directors that go out and get uh, sponsorship on board. Um, as I say, we we've never re- we're not reliant on one person putting that money in. So once the games start up again, we'll have revenue um, coming in. If we're getting four hundred through the gate, you know that that sets you up nicely for a healthy budget. Um, you know our sponsors have been fantastic. Um, you know, we haven't got sponsors that have suddenly just picked up and left and thrown, thrown their toys out. We've got people that are really loyal to us. Um, you know, and the way we've we've set up a lot of our sponsorship deals is that they're over a certain number of years as well. So we're not just taking all the money up front for a um, for someone to sponsor a stand. It's, you know, it's spread over a certain amount of years. So it kind of safeguards you in a certain sense. Um, as I say, the, the, the biggest thing, the unknown thing, is how many supporters we're going to get coming back. Um, because before all this happened, whether we went up or not, um, you know, this year, if we've got over the 400, our aim would have been right to get 500 next year as an average. Um, and that, you know, we, we're very ambitious at the club. Um, so that would, have been our, that would have been our target and that's what we were, I'm, I'm sure, we would, we would then go and get. Um, but you, you never know what's going to happen now. Um, so there's that cer- that certainly some uncertainty there. Um, like I say, we, we won't offer any any player anything that we can't um, fulfill. Um, you know, one of the biggest things for us is we won't ever cut a budget. Um, you know, I know a lot of clubs do. They, they pay a lot of money at the start of the season, etc. Uh, as soon as we're out of the cut, the money goes. We're not, you know, we're certainly not one of those clubs. We'll only offer what we can, um, feasibly do. 
Yeah, one of the things I was going to mention as well is you've just sort of uh, mentioned the cups. Um, you know, they've 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 halved the FA the FA Cup funds, um, and that that is going to have you know an effect on on a lot of clubs because they do sort of rely on that at the start of the season. Um, they look at it and they go, right, if we get a, can get a little run in the cup. Um, and you know, I know they've halved the money all the way up, but wouldn't it be a, been a better idea to say, right, when we get to the third round proper, that's when we, you know, we'll halve it, so it doesn't affect you know the non-league clubs that, that rely on that income each season. Just take them. Just take the prize money off the uh, finalists and the semi-finalists. Yeah, or do that. Simple. You know, Arsenal, I'm an Arsenal fan. Do they need the one point something million? Like, like non-league does absolutely not um, you know the, the semi-finalists etc was it Man City Chelsea Arsenal and uh, uh, United you know those, those types can do about the you know the 700 grand etc um, competition because once you're in it the semi-finals you're in it to win it um, you, you're not trying to win it for a million or an extra 300,000 whatever it may be um, so yeah, so I think that that should have been the way forward. However, and I'm going to be quite controversial here. I think the FA uh, they've shown they have no interest in not. They don't even know what non-league football is. I think mm. is the best way of putting it. Um, which is disappointing because there's there's a non-league has improved so much. You know, I think since I played way back when, you know, uh, for football uh, in the Ryman League. You know the, the quality and the standard of it, all of the operations, whether it be at the stadiums, um, the volunteers, etc., to the to the coaching and the, the actual levels of the players. Now it's, it is drastically improved, um, and it's going to continue to improve. Um, you know, so for them to just sort of uh, treat us in this way or show actually no no regard to us um, is disappointing. It's disheartening because. You know, I'm sure I speak for any manager at this level. It's not a part-time sort of local league uh, manager's role. It's it is literally you're you are doing it 24/7. Um, you know, and you know, I'm, I'm I'm definitely speak to the other managers when I say that it is it's not an easy thing to be doing. Um, you know, so we put all this time and effort in the same with the players, and you just you don't even get considered in things. Um, how they treat us in the same regard as like the, um, the stadia, they're classed in our, our stadium, the Kent Vehicle Stadium, the same as Old Trafford. I mean, how can a ruling be? It's just, you know, our, our, um, we, we hold 2,500 as our capacity, whereas they're at like 18,000. I mean, they're two very separate issues, aren't they? Um, so that's, that's that. The FA Cup, um, obviously, yeah, halving it. For me, I'll, if I could, I'm not, I'm not, we, we certainly wouldn't as a club, but I, I think non-league should boycott it. I really do, and make a stand. Um, but you'll only have a certain few clubs that will do it. Um, so it, it then would put, it would massively fall in their ears. I honestly think that you know none of them, none of the clubs in non-league are going to go and win it. Um, I'd rather our league cup because we've got a better chance of winning that. Personally. Um, the magic of the FA Cup as they sell it, that's that seems to have gone at the minute uh, for me. I, I may be on my own with this one, but I, I kind of feel like non-league needs its own governing body. 
um, because yeah, all they need up for is the fines, etc., to, to prop up the, the other bits they do. And that's the other thing, they've actually put the fines up for non-league this season, yeah. haven't they? Yeah. Right. yeah. Really? Yeah. Great. Brilliant. Yeah. I mean, you raised some very mm. valid points there, Ben. So, you so, know, uh, no, you raised some really valid points there, and I think, you know, you, uh, no, you uh, can carry yeah, on do, do they need, do they need the, um, do you need the FA who really, you know, I can sort of speak a little bit more because I, you know, I'm from the fan side of thing. But the FA have really let us down. They really have. And you say the magic of the FA Cup. What magic? Yeah. The thing is, is a boycott. Yeah, that would make a brilliant stand. It really would. But sadly, the money and sort of the pride, a lot of clubs would need that. And I think that's where you're going to find the problem of no boycott uh, for that actual reason. Um, I don't know if any of you else are with me on that. I know obviously we've got to be a bit careful and don't want to be upsetting anyone here that might be listening. But um, You've raised some fantastic points there. I think, uh, well, in terms of the boycott, I mean, I'm not suggesting we're going to try and do that as a club. Um, we're obviously not going to. However, I certainly think it's an ideal time for to come together and make a stand um, because otherwise it's never going to change. Um, I've got a lot of respect for South Shields. Um, they were big um, in you know, going against a null and void situation. Um, you know, they're only, you know, yes, they're a well, well-run well club and, you know, have got good finances to their club, but they, they're no match for the SA and the money they've got for the lawyers, etc. Um, you know, and they've then been slapped with a double whammy because they've had to pay a fine for even going, taking them to court uh, over it, which, yeah, it just, it, it reeks, to be honest with you. Um, and it just says that, Anyone that tries taking on the FA, um, you can have a large bill to pay for, um, yeah. whether it's right or wrong. Um, and ethically, how the FA can, do, can really do that to South Shields is, is beyond me. Um, mm. I mean, we, we as a club, we donated to their, to their sort of uh, fund to, to try and fight the ball. And we didn't, we didn't donate because it would have got us promoted. Uh, we donated because, you know, it was the right thing. Um, if there were going to be winners or lo- and losers out of this whole situation and, and the decision that was made, surely the teams that did well and, you know, maybe put money in for the season, they were the ones that probably should have been rewarded. Um, you know, if you're in the bottom three or down, you know, you don't have too many arguments over the course of 75% of the season um, for me. And if anyone's going to be a loser in it, it should be those type of clubs in that situation. I mean that's getting gone now, so won't keep banging on, banging the drum about that. But you know, for us, points per game we finished fifth. We wouldn't have gone up. I felt that the top three sides should have gone up, and I would have I would have been you know a lot more satisfied with that situation. Um, but there we go. Yeah, well, it's such a, such a difficult situation. And like you say, you know, it feels like it's you know an absolute double whammy at the moment for a lot of clubs and what's gone on. So back back to sort of you know the Let, Let Fans In campaign. Um, you you ha- obviously had the guidance from the FA about uh, being COVID nineteen secure at your ground. Yeah. Um, and obviously Herne Bay, uh, you, you, you've probably put all that into place and you've spent money on that. Yeah, I mean our, our secretary has, has has worked so hard um, getting all of that into place. For the club, um, you know, you're not talking. He spent an hour doing a risk assessment. Um, you know, 
I know for a fact that he went down there, he met the stadium manager, um, you know, they walked the ground, uh, making lists. I think they were down there for three or four hours on a Saturday afternoon, just just doing the, the, the sort of pre-checks for it, let alone reading the 50-page document that they would have probably been sent, et cetera, et cetera. And these are volunteers, um, you know, and yet you can go to the beach with no no assessment, no <laughs> nothing in place at all. Um, I, I just don't understand how that can that can be allowed. Um, I, I just think with this COVID, um, it's either it's either too bad and nothing can happen, or it's all right and you know these things can happen. You know, with uh, common sense. Um, you know, you've touched on I heard you earlier. Um, you know, we all know social distancing can happen around the stadium. And we, we could sit in there, I was talking today at the ground, um, and looking at the stands we've got. We could fit three, four hundred in there without even a question that we could socially distance the project. Without even, yeah, without even worrying. That's probably three, three sides of the ground. Um, you know, so, and I'm sure a lot of clubs can say the same. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Trevor, have you got any any questions for Ben? Yeah. One thing I was going to ask you, Ben. Um, I'm going to mention one word: sanitisation. <laughs> I listened to the um, to the Kent non-league podcast a couple of weeks ago when Mickey Collins was on for yeah. Seven Oaks Town, um, and listening to to what what he had to say and everything, the amount of work that you guys have actually got to do to make sure things are kept clean, everything sanitised, and everything kind of actually sort of blew my mind a little bit as to how much, you know, he's on you guys, let alone the rest of the club as well. Oh, 100%. I mean, you even just down to, obviously, the goalposts and yeah, uh, yeah. footballs. I mean, yeah. it, it contradicts itself for me because you've got 22 men that have, um, have, have not been tested that are smashing into cattle, yeah. etc. Yeah. Nope. You, we all know when you're over the white line, no one thinks, oh, I can't go that close because it's, you know, or do I want to jump into this tackle because it's, you know, he could have coronavirus. No one is thinking that at all. Everyone is out there to win a game of football. Um, yeah. You know, so, not, yeah, how it can eat, it's either all right and we can play the game, etc. But sanitising the goalpost does absolutely nothing. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> who in their right mind comes up with that? Yeah, exactly. I make him right last the other week on the um, Pentland League podcast, you yeah. know, because he, he's obviously he's read the bits, he's going by the by the book on it, the points made, and you know it. When you hear him speak, you think, well, how can any football take place? You know, yeah. you yeah. know, I make him right going by the guidelines. I personally don't agree with the guidelines they've set in place because some of that stuff is just. I mean, it is ridiculous how they expect that to happen or even to have an impact on what's happening. Um, you know, we're all for making things safe. I get that. Um, but I just think some things are so far-fetched. Um, and I think, yeah, obviously a bigger picture, the government have just contradicted themselves the whole way throughout um, the pandemic. So it's like, you don't know what you need to do, what you don't need to do. And I don't know. I mean, I think as well, when, you know, when we watched the Premier League games right at the very beginning, you know, there was only supposed to be fist, fist bumps or arm touching or anything like that. And I think even when you go back to the Bundesliga starting in June, you know, within two weeks, that had gone out the window. 
hand slapping, hugs, you know, a group of five or six players together. It all went out the window with that straight away. And those were, play, you know, people that were getting tested two or three times a week as well. No, of course. And obviously, you know, that's going to happen in the non-league system. Um, yeah. You know, mm. you know, at times you're, you're going to come up against players that you're friends with, for example. Um, yeah. And you've probably seen them the night before, you know, and then you're up against them. Yeah. You're not going to, you're going to try and elbow uh, touch or You're not even going to shake his hand, aren't you? Like, yeah. Yeah. Whether right, rightly or wrongly, that's just naturally, that's going to happen, unfortunately. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think it, these things need to be looked into um, and people need to even say, you know what, it's safe to do it. Uh, yeah. Everyone needs to show some common sense or it's not safe to do it and it just doesn't happen. Yeah, it's true. You've got a complete point there. Anything from you, Lee? Any questions for Ben at all? Uh, yeah, Ben, one question I wanted to ask you. Obviously, you mentioned about the, the fact you, you were doing well towards the end of last season and you were hoping to get maybe three, four hundred in. I mean, we're looking at three seasons at the moment. How, how many, realistically, would Herne Bay expect to get from a lower lower division if fans not socially distancing? Sorry, you broke up there. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing you were asking how many we'd expect to get in on a pre-season game. Yeah. yeah. Well, with, with I say, with the end of the season we had, the way it was stopped, um, and the break we've had, I, I think I think we'll be we'll be way, way over 400 for a first game back. I really do, because as I say, the level of interest in our club, um, particularly in, in our local area, is huge at the moment. Um, you know, it's really taken off. And I say the fact that there's been no games for so long, the novelty factor is going to be quite huge as well. And if you counter in there, we have a lot of, you know, Charlton and Millwall season ticket holders, West Ham that go up. They can't watch their teams. So I actually think they'll piggyback on the back of the non-league. Um, and I think it's an ideal chance for non-league to actually mix some supporters from the professional game. A lot of people falling out of love with the professional game. Um, the way it dealt with a pandemic itself, um, you know, laying off a lot of staff, using the furlough system. I think there's a lot. I think there's a great opportunity for non-league to gain some new supporters. Um, I really do. So, Ben, in, um, going to the amount of people you're sort of expecting in, into the ground, um, how, how many do you think you could have? I think you mentioned three, three hundred, definitely, have safely. Well, I was literally, uh, I, was, I was down there today, and I, I looked in a stand. All right, and we've got, I think it was six sections of the stands. So it's got big pillars to hold the roof up, etc. And there's five steps, so uh, tiered steps. Now, I, 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 I counted in there, and I stood in there. You could get 15 in each of those, um, each of those sections in the tiered steps, without a, like, and that's that's me being, you know, ultra safe. 15 with a social distancing. Now. If you've done the 15 for each of those, you know, I've, with the math on top of my head on here, I'm, I might be wrong here, but I counted 120. It's what we worked out. 120 we could fit in there. All right? Um, and that's in one stand. Okay. Obviously, obviously, you've got your bar and things like that, but obviously procedures, uh, one one way, one way in, etc. Um, we've just, we're, you know, we're in the process of, of putting some outside um, refreshment facilities uh, in place, 
I think the biggest issue will be toilets. Um, you know, and there needs to be a system for that. But you know, it could be a case of we'll have to get sorry, we'll have to get port cabin, uh, uh, port loop. Um, yeah. You know, so that may be a, a way that we that we work around it. Um, but yeah, I say, I honestly, you know, if you've ever been to the uh, our, our ground, um, yeah, you know, there, there is a, there's an awful lot of space around the perimeter of our uh, of our sort of, of our, our ground. Um, we've got three stands there, you know, and I'm, I'm saying 120 in one of the stands, socially distanced, you know, that's not even the biggest stand we've got. Um, so I'm, you know, I'm saying we comfortably do three, four hundred, comfortably. Uh, um, so you're talking five, six hundred, that's when you start thinking, right, you know, facilities for the toilet, etc. Have we got the right facilities for that? And that's where we as a club would need to go, you know what? No, but we'd need to put something in place or we'd have to tap it. Yeah. Um, but again, it's common sense. Yeah, which, which like, like you say, is a fair enough comment. And, and with the restrictions at the moment, I think, you know, um, the DCMS are stopping clubs. The clubs, want to, clubs will adhere to the guidance. There's no question about that. And, you know, say, the DC mesh just needs to say to the clubs, right, you know, let the fans in. Um, you clubs, be responsible, do it properly, and, you know, every, everything will be fine. But yeah. the clubs just need to be trusted to be able to, you know, be let to get on with this. If there's a spike, then what, 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 the last things that were opened up would be the first things to close, won't they? Mm. Uh, is that, I don't know if that's too much common sense for me, but... You know, yeah. I look at some of the other things that have, you know, at a minute, you know, we've got the Crucible, and you've got 300 in a 900 capacity um, indoor venue. I mean, how is that? I mean, if we're getting a capacity of 2,500 and we've got 1,000 in there, but still the ratio is better than the Crucible and it's outdoors. And yeah. throughout the pandemic, they were saying, if you're outdoors, the uh, the chance of, cap of actually contracting it are like, close to zero if you're outdoors and you're socially distant. So I really don't get it. Really don't. Yeah, and of course we didn't need a mask for four months. No, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's weird, isn't it? Just that thing. Absolutely, you know, I, I just sit here, shake my head and just go, I, you know, it makes no, just no logical sense to me whatsoever. I, I just, I would love to know what what the FA have actually passed up to the DPMS. Because surely people are not this stupid. Well, I think surely. I've just seen a, a message well, on one of the chats on the Worthing, uh, on, on our live chat, and Matt from Worthing said, pre-season games are the ideal opportunity for clubs to test out their COVID risk assessment. Yeah. Yeah. Now, that is exactly, I think, what the underlying point of this whole campaign is mm. right now, because mm. we can trial out everything, you can trial out on a smaller scale, and then it can be up, um, scaled up for the bigger clubs, and as we go up the leagues. Yeah. So, what are they scared of? I know, and, and also, like they talk about when they restricted the the, the first lock, the proper lockdown. Um, you know, wanting to help people with mental health issues, etc. There are people, there are supporters, there are supporters at my football club that their life literally revolves around the football club, and mm -hmm. taking that away from them. Like, I, I honestly, I've I've had. I spoke to some of the season ticket holders during the lockdowns to see how they are, um, and sort of checking their welfare, really. 
Um, mm. And I had supporters saying to me that they've got basically nothing to live for without the football. And that's not me exaggerating. That is literally no, no, not at all. Making word for no. word. Um, you know, so someone needs to know. Like someone needs, at high up needs to realise actually this football is life for some people. Um, you know, and and they need to they need to be acting quickly with it. No, it's, you're completely right there, mate. It's not an, it's not an over exaggeration. There are plenty of people at Worthing. I'm sure the same at Bognor. Um, Bay. Anyone yeah. listening to this, Dorking, that. You know, I mean, for for God's sake, I look at my. I'm a Charlton fan, obviously. So you know, I guess you get a lot of them. You said down at Herne Bay, um, one of our mm. fans died of COVID. His name was Seb Lewis. I don't know if you heard about it in the local news. He went to every single mm. game. It, I, I, we we used to joke mm. about. It. We said if he ever was admitted to hospital, if he was going to miss a game, he'd probably discharge himself, no matter what the status is. And sadly, the guy <laughs> died of coronavirus. And you know, mm. there are people like that, and that's one of the more sort of high profile cases. But I can guarantee you, mm. at every single club in this country, there is one or two fans that are completely and utterly obsessed by the football, and it's their sort of output. That's their it's their social life. It's everything they live for. They live for the weekend, and that's that's the bottom line. Yeah. yeah, and I say it, you know, with the campaign, um, we need a lot more clubs getting involved. Um, you know, I've seen the Concord chairman sort of speak today, um, saying that you know a lot of clubs are moaning and doing crowdfunding, etc. But when it comes to actually um, trying to help the supporters get back in, um, you know, they're very quiet. I mean, you know, we had a crowdfunding after supporters group set that up. Um, you know, we're thankful for any any donations that people put forward to us as a club. Um, it's hard. It's hard. You know, it's kind of our turn now to to, to do what we can to to help them. Um, as much as we say it's for us as a club for financial reasons, that's great. Um, but we, you know, and I'm sure each club has that sort of cliche of you know the your football family, um, and it really it really is at home. Bay, it is mm. a family. Um, you know, we've now got to do what we can as a club with the, whatever social media presence and Instagram and that we have, whatever influence we have, we've got to now bang the drum um, and all get together to, to make them um, at, at the FI and the DCMS know that we're not happy with this and it needs to change. Um, well, so, yes, yeah, so I'm have been fantastic, particularly yeah. for one of the work, one of the Dorking chat fans that were on the chat tonight had actually said, you know, why are a lot of these bigger non-league clubs keeping very quiet? You know, I think we need to get traction behind every single club, especially at non-league. Just a little tweet, even a little we support the campaign, put the hashtag in their title or the Twitter handle. Um, you know, it's not a political movement. It's, it doesn't matter what side, left or right, you are. We just want to get back in. It's the lifeblood. And I think if all the clubs could, if you're listening tonight from your club, tweet them message them say please get behind this social media is massive now get a bit of pressure yeah. on the government get a bit of pressure on the fa and if every single one of these non-league clubs big or small sunday league saturday league midweek leagues anything get involved and get the fa talking about this well, i'll tell you how easy it is on saturday our media team when they were doing the, the uh, commentary for our game go on our twitter at home bay to have a look they just literally put the hashtag in every single tweet they did. Um, you know, it could have been the players getting subbed off, but at the bottom it had the hashtag let fans in. Um, you know, it's that simple um, and every club can do that. I, I, they really can. 
Well, I think one of the yeah. talking points from this weekend was uh, a tweet from Win Canton Town FC. And it said, yeah. uh, tomorrow we are home to at SFC 1888. Please enjoy mm. having 15 points with 15 pints with 40 of your pals at your local boozer. Then go to the cinema, maybe a bit of bowling, and then go and have your eyebrows done instead of attending, as at the moment standing outside watching football is too dangerous. And I think we can almost leave it at there, chaps, can't we? We can almost say that. <laughs> what a tweet to wrap it up on. And if everyone could do that, then I think we've got a chance. Exactly that. But um, yeah. chaps, I think it's time to wrap up. It's been great to take up your time this evening. Um, I thank you, myself and Peter from Rebel Yell and all the Rebel Yell and Worthing Sports Association. You know, we've done this one-off special. We thank you so much for giving up your time on a Sunday evening. Um, yeah. Trevor, Lee, thank you so much. We could get hopefully get together soon. And Ben, good luck for the yep. season. Good luck uh, with everything. And um, I hope to hear if you keep in touch with us because it'll be great to see. Um, any any final wrap-up words, guys? Any Any last words from you before we wrap up the broadcast? Can I just chuck one in, James? Yeah, of course. Um, I just wanted to mention for on Twitter for for the fan shop, they've got um, prints they can do in every single colour of your team. Football is nothing without fans. Uh, three pound of it is going to a charity um, that um, Lee Allison, who's the manager of um, Hendon Town, his little girl's been cycling a um, hundred miles in a hundred days for uh, GH Hospice. Uh, they're donating £3 from every single print they sell. Uh, go find them on Twitter, at For The Fan Shop, all in, all in lowercase. One thing I would just want to add um, is, is it doesn't matter whether you support Bogner, Worthing, Barnet, Herm Bay. This is about getting fans into football. One thing for me, hashtag let fans in. Excellently, Pete. Pete, from yourself. Yeah, um, I just, I just echo all the thoughts. It's just been such an in- interesting conversation, and you know, Ben, uh, you know, as manager of Herne Bay, just thank you for taking the time out, for spending it with us. We was hoping to have a couple of other managers on, um, but unfortunately, they 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 drifted off. Um, so yeah, thank you very much for coming on, Ben. It's much appreciated. Um, keep in touch with us because we'd like to see you know when your new season gets up and running. We do a podcast um, once a month and, you know, we'd be more happy to have you on and see how your season's going and keep up to date with it. No, I appreciate that. And obviously, you know, for us, certainly from, I'm sure I speak for most managers, um, you know, football really isn't anything without the fans. Um, these games behind closed doors, it, yeah, it, it's very meaningless um, and we need fans back as quickly as possible to, to get the game we all put so much time and effort in for. Um, and, and love um, so if we can do that the better fantastic yeah, thank exactly. you very much Ben uh, Rebel Yell will be back on Wednesday with a live broadcast from Littlehampton I know Lee you're broadcasting live tomorrow um, who was it against again sorry yeah we're going to be live from 7.30 tomorrow it's on uh, Rocks Radio it's Fantastic. Oh, fantastic. You cut off. <laughs> yeah, enough of the Bogners out. We've done the podcast now, enough. That's <laughs> yeah, so against Bogner tomorrow. Um, hopefully, everyone will listen in. There'll be promotion about this uh, hashtag let fans in. And uh, I don't know, I'll be returning a uh, favour when you guys come down to my hometown of uh, LA. Yeah, uh, Lee, do you, want, do you want to put the, the link in, say the link again, because you cut off slightly? Yeah, it's uh, Rocks Radio. Um, it'll be on my Twitter. It's at Lee Roberts Media is my personal Twitter. I'll be tweeting that out and obviously promoting um, hashtag let fans in. So Rocks Radio from 7.30 is from Play Sales Z tomorrow. 
Fantastic. See, we are nice to you guys. <laughs> we are. We gave him some airtime for that, Pete. Hey, who would ever have thought that when we started <laughs> off uh, Rebel Yell? Um, guys, but keep in touch with us over this. Uh, it's nice to be back on the air. Um, we'll be back very soon, relaunching the Rebel Yell podcast for the new season. Once we get a bit of traction, hopefully we'll get a start date soon and we'll be live on the air again. Um, but anything you suggestions, please give us a shout. This will be available again to listen to on Spotify and all major podcast providers within the week. So if you haven't had the chance to listen to it or you've got anyone that you know will be interested, pass it on to them, let them know and give us a tweet at Rebel Yell WFCSA. But for myself, James, Pete and the rest of the Rebel Yell team, Lee, Trevor and Ben, thank you so much for coming on tonight, giving up your Sunday night and uh, good luck for the season and let fans in, I'd say. Absolutely. Let fans in, guys. This is the Rebel Yell Podcast.